All right, good morning, everyone. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Tet Zayin Maseches Yuma. You might recall that we finished 12 lines up from the bottom of Tet Vavim Bez. And I said it's a good place to stop, but then I got the eyes from Andrew like, it's not a good place to stop, it's just where we stopped because we ran out of time. Not true, Andrew. This is a very interesting Rashi. Uh, Birnbaum keeps uh, working on his theory that this is Rashi like, hey, Rashi also ate Chalashudas. Right? This is Rashi at Chalashudas. You know, you get the Rav in earnest, sort of like unplugged, tells you how he really feels. So this Rashi is kind of along with his theory. I'm not buying fully in yet, but check this out. 12 lines up in the bottom. It says, Tanan Hasam. Why was it a good place to stop? Because Rashi says, look at this, Tanan Hasam, the sixth middle size line. Tanan Hasam by Maseches Tamid. We learned this in Maseches Tamid. This piece of Gemara that we're about to learn doesn't even belong here. It doesn't belong in Maseches Yuma. Whichever word you use here, What Rashi saying is as follows. We just had a discussion, and it's really fascinating. We say, who wrote this Masechta? You don't really see that in, in, in Shas too often. Who wrote this Masechta in Mishnayis? In other words, Rabbi Huda was the chief editor. Rabbi Huda Nasi was the chief editor. Rebbe was the chief editor of the Mishnayis. This is what we were saying, that even though he was the chief editor of the Mishnayis, there was, there were authorship to certain Masechtas, apparently. And so the Tana, who we never heard of before, Rav Shimon Ish HaMitzpah, as it turns out, it's a good thing we brought him up because he wrote Maseches Yuma, which is what we're actually learning. So we know that the Tana that wrote Maseches Yuma was Rav Shimon Ish HaMitzpah, which means whenever there's a Stam Mishnah, right, whose uh, writing is not attributed to any particular Tana, we're, we know that that's Rav Shimon Ish HaMitzpah who wrote that. That's amazing. And we're learning Maseches Yuma. So good to know. Says Rashi, now that we're on the topic, there's another example of such a unique situation. And that is, we're going to happen to be quoting a, uh, something from Maseches Tamid, but then we're going to quote Maseches Midos uh, to contrast the Mishnah we're going to learn in Maseches Tamid. So for us, if you're just reading it through um, and you're not really paying that much attention or, you know, it's super early in the morning, it just kind of all seems like a stream of consciousness. So it all sounds like Beis HaMikdash talk. So it doesn't, like, contrast so heavily with what you're learning until now. And, and we're going to say, it sounds like, it sounds like Maseches Yuma. You have this kind of Kohanim talking. But the reality is, as Rashi points out, there is no logical flow to this Gemara. It, we're going to, in fact, be learning a lot about the structure of the Beis HaMikdash over here, but it's completely not relevant to anything we've been learning until now. It only is relevant in the sense that we're going to learn that the authorship of Maseches Midos was Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Just like the, the authorship of Maseches Yuma was Rabbi Shimon Ish HaMitzpeh. That's the only thing, Rashi says, that this shtickle Gemara that we're going to learn today and tomorrow has to do with what we're learning now. So a fascinating intro to this little piece. And with that intro in mind, uh, we're getting a little bit of history, and now we're going to get a little bit of uh, 
design of the base of Mikdash. So here we go. It's going to help, by the way, if you have the art scroll or any other book, I should have mentioned it yesterday, to, to refer back to some diagram of the Bayes Shani because we're going to be uh, talking about it. You'll have it, if you have the art scroll, you'll have it as you go along also, but it helps. Okay. <coughs> okay. So Tanan Hasam. So there's a Mishnah in Masechus Tamid. And it says the following. The Mamuna is a Skan Kohanim. He says to the other Kohanim, there, um, right, there's a rotation. Who's bringing the Korban Tamid today? And now a guy, the Mamuna, is giving them instructions. So he is barking out instructions. He says, go give, go bring a lamb, right, from the lamb office. Okay. The Lishkas Beis Hatalaim. The office where we keep the lambs. And now, the Gemara says, Now, the Lishkas Atalaim was in the northwest corner, um, <coughs> right? So, Rashi says, So he gives you more background of what's going on. There was something called Beis HaMokad, which was like the fire, the hall of fire. Shayatraklin Gadol. It was like a big, right, um, sort of tower. This is the Beis HaMokad now. They used to light these big fires. Daf Yomi coincidence, because we're on the 30th day of the Omer today. Okay, so we're three days off, which for us is way off. It's like being unorthodox, because, you know, by me, everything is now that I'm dealing with Invisalign, everything is 0.1 millimeters. If the bite is off on one tooth by 0.1 millimeter, I get like a red alert. I go out into the world, people don't even know what 0.1 millimeter is. So, so that's, how, that's how close the Dafyomi coincidence has been. If we're, only, if we're three days off, it feels like it has no shaykhus. Anyways, so they had these big Meduros, Kedolot, the Medura, after all, marble floors and bare feet, marble floors plus bare feet plus cold Yerushalayim air equals very cold floors on your feet. Shehishel Shaish, right, as the uh, Rashi continues to explain, that it was made out of marble. Right, so then, you would have the Chiraklin was the base Hamokad with, with all the big Madurot going on. And it had, and the So what Rashi is explaining beautifully is if you look at the original diagram, do you see the diagram of the second temple? Uh, if you have it at the beginning of the Masechta, so he's basically explaining um, this number 36. As you walk in, we're going to orient ourselves over here. You, you see the color? Yeah, there you go. So, Andrew, you're walking in from the east. This is, this is oriented where due north is on top, like we're used to, okay? So, you're walking in from the east side. We're going to talk about that. We're going to do a virtual tour today, God willing, uh, like a Machona Mikdash virtual tour, coming in from the east and walking all the way up these steps from the Ezra's Nashim um, into the next area and then walking into the, into the uh, Heichal, etc. So, into the Azaran and then and then along the Heichal. But if you look on the, right, the upper, not all the way on the left, but over here where it says number 36, and then 37, 38, 39, 40, that's where we are now. 36 represents the base Hamokad. You'll see an interesting aspect of it. Half of it is outside, half of it is inside. You see that? So, so we're gonna address that. 
The one that we're talking about now is the northwest. That's 40. Number 40 is going to, um, I'm sorry, 37. The, uh, the southwest. So what's going on here? So let's see. Watch this. So now that we said this, he says, go bring it from Beisat to Lime. And over here, it says in Tamid that the Lishkas Lime was in the northwest, which is 40. Okay. The Achas Lishkas Achosamos. Okay. The Arba Lishkas Ayusham, says the Gemara. Right? That there were four chambers. That's the four chambers over here. Right? 37, 38, 39, 40. And it says, Achas Lishkas One was the chamber where they kept all the animals. The other one was the chamber where, as we described in Masechah Shkolim, they kept the vouchers. They used to, when you bought, when you brought like a carbon, so you would buy it first uh, from the right receptionist, and then you'd get a voucher. You didn't buy it directly, and then when you and then when you go in, you'd get your flour or your oil or your bird or your or your lamb, whatever you bought, you pick up from the vendor who gave you those things. But you didn't pay that vendor. That vendor wasn't handling the money. That vendor was taking vouchers, okay? So you would buy your voucher from the, right, from the uh, receptionist. Once you have your voucher, you would trade in your vouchers for these items. So that's Lishkas Achosamos was the office where they handled those vouchers. Vachas Lishkas Beisamoka, the other one they called the Chamber of Fire. So we'll see, this is Masechus Tamid. Vachas Lishkas Sheosin Balechem upon him. And the other one was, was the lishka where they made the lechem upon him. So that lishka smelled great. The lishka satalim probably not as great. Depends what you like. Anyways, so that is Masechus Tamid. But then the Gemara says, Uriminu. That is a contrast with what we see in the Mishnah Masechus Tamid, as follows. Because that Mishnah says, Arba It's still describing the four offices, 37 through 40, as described, right, uh, surrounding the Beis HaMoked. And as Rashi had already alluded, says the Gemara, that they're like suites that are open up to this larger um, right tower or really ballroom, right? In um, in Israel, if you go to Simcha, it's Traklin, it's Ulam. These words that you see in the Mishnayis are the words that they used for a hall, right? A reception hall or a ballroom, okay? Shtayim B'Kodesh or Shtayim B'Chol. That's the Mishnah in Midos. And that's, what's this, that's what you see in the diagram, right? Where 39 and 40 are out in the chol, and then 38 and 37 are inside in the Kodesh, which is interesting. And in fact, when you learn right, Masechus Midos, you find out what some of the significance of that, why that's important, okay. The Roshe Pispasim Abdil Mekodesh that's just explaining how do you know when you're walking along the base Hamokad, which is in, signified by 36, how do you know when you're in the Kodesh and when you're in the Chol, which is important uh, with re- regards to whether you need to be Tahor or not. Um, so then there was a some demarcation. Top posts were there. Okay. What purpose did they serve? Well, uh, now it's talking about the chambers. What was the utility of the four offices. So now the Maseches Midos is going to have different uh, kinds of um, utilization ascribed to the four places as follows. Maravis Dromas, the southwest, Haisa Lishkas Tale Korban. So already we have a Machlokas, right? Because we had thought that the northwest had it in in uh, in Tamid and in Midos it says it's the southwest. Okay. And then, as we finally arrived at Zion Abed Aleph, Dromis Mizrachis, he lishka shayusin ba lechem aponim. 
The southwest was where you made the lechem upon him. And then the Mizrachists, Phonis, the north, um, the northeast, a fascinating thing. What happened? The Chashmonaim go in. The Metunafim, the, 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 the disgusting Yavanim, were in control of that area, and they had done God knows what with that Mizbeach. And so when the Chashmonaim came in, they said, we cannot keep this Mizbeach as is. This has been defiled. We don't know what's been going on here. So they broke it apart, and they rebuild the Mizbeach. <coughs> However, you can't just throw out Mizbeach stones. So they had to keep it somewhere. It's like Geniza, basically, right? It's like Seamus, so to speak, without uh, the Seamus. So they had to put it in an office. So they had an office that held the stones of the old Mizbeach that, that, was, that the Shkatzim had defiled. Okay. As the gears here, Malchit, my Gemara says, Malchit Ovde Kochavim. Birmingham said something like Malchit. Yevanim or something. Anyway, so Tzfonis Maravis, the, right, because of censorship. Okay, so that is the northeast chamber, right? And then Tzfonis Maravis, the northwest uh, chamber, Bar Yordin Levesa Tvila. So number 40, according to Masechus Midos, is the one where you go in, that has the chamber of secrets. From there, you can access a mikvah. It would make sense that that, would be outside, right? Because you're going to be matari yourself outside in the hall before you go in to the Beis HaMikdash even from there. Okay, so now, <coughs> we, see, be that, we see that the description of what's done in the offices in Maseches Midos does not match what's done in those same offices according to Maseches Tamid. So what we have here now is a stira. So how do you resolve this stira? Right, so for example, like we said, the, the Lishkasa Talaim, that very location is either northwest in the Beis HaMoked, right, um, in, in Tamid, or it's in the southwest, according to Midos. That's one example, but the, as Tosas points out, Dromus Mizrachis, uh, there's a lot of, diff- there's a lot of different, uh, Nafkaminas here. The two are dissimilar, okay, there's a lot of, a lot of ch- differences. So how do you reconcile these differences? After all, first of all, right, this is like a historical account, you would think. So that the Gemara doesn't address, like how there could be differences in terms of altogether, but at least in terms of explaining how it could be and how we uh, reconcile that the two are different, is as follows. Amar Avuna, Man Midos, who wrote Masechus Midos? Rabbi Lezer bin Yaakov, he, that in fact, Rabbi Lezer bin Yaakov is the author of Midos, and therefore, really, somehow, there's a machlokas as to what these offices were used for. And so, whoever wrote Maseches Tamid, which is not mentioned here, th- had a certain opinion about where, where uh, the different offices, what their usage was. And Rabbi Yezab and Yaakov had his shita or his masorah as to what the usage was. And since he wrote Maseches Midos, this basically boils down to a machlokas tanaim. Okay, the usage of those offices boils down to Machlokas Tanaim. Now, Tosfos points out, it's possible that multiple, uh, that the offices had multiple uses, right? They had like a multi-purpose use for, for each office, and therefore, uh, some of the uses might, in some cases, they might both be true. And that's, in essence, why we're focusing on the Lishka Satalaim. 
Because everything else, if you say, oh, this was used, one, one person, one, one shita will say, this is where they bake the lechem upon him. And the other will say, oh, or this is where, in this particular case, let's just be more specific. We, where, where we said was the chamber of the receipts, right, of the vouchers, uh, in Maseches Midos, that's where we say, uh, in Maseches Tamid rather, that's where we say in Maseches Midos is the place where they kept the, the stones of the old Mizbeach. So the Chashmonaim, you could argue, kept the stones of the old Mizbeach in a specific office, but that became the office. There's enough room still to, to hand out the vouchers. In other words, it's not really a stira. It just, it could be that both are right, and therefore, you know, it's just what they're emphasizing. Okay, so that's a different thing, but it's not historically incorrect. The problem where we come is really specifically the Tulayim, where one says it's the southwest and the other says it's the northwest. So there, now you have a, a real machlokas as to a specific activity, what happened. And so even if you were over, overlap activities, unless you say that it happened in both Lishkas, which is unlikely. Anyway, so that's why that becomes the real machlokas. And so that was Shita of Masechus Midos, and Shita and Maseches Tamid, that of Masech, and that's a Machlokas Tanaim, and that of Maseches Midos represents the Shita of Rabbi ben Yaakov. So now, we're going to spend the rest of this Adaf proving that Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov was the author of Maseches Midos. Now, as Birnbaum points out, it's very unusual, right? We're going to bring up a whole Mishnah, a whole concept, and we're going to say, you see, this has to only work according to Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. And Berbam says, therefore what? Therefore what? The whole Masechta was written by Eliezer ben Yaakov? In other words, where else do you see that you find one Shita, you figured out who wrote it? I mean, we see it all over Shas. Oh, this must be Rabbi Meir. Oh, this must be Rabbi Akiva. But we never extrapolate from that that that's who wrote the entire Masechta necessarily, right? But for whatever reason, we have a Masorah that Midos and Yuma, which we're learning now, were written, Yuma was written, Stam Mishnah, right, was Rashim and Isha Mitzpah, and Midas was, if you could find out who wrote the Stam Mishnah, then you've un, right, unlocked the secret to who wrote the entire Masechta. So that is part of what Rashi and other Rishonim kind of say it like Rashi, but more explicitly, that that is really what's unique here. That's what makes it so unique that it's worthy of bringing up in the middle of Masechus Yuma, that it's really not typical to, to find out one thing and to expra- extrapolate it um, that once we figure out one Manda Amr, assume that that Manda Amr wrote the entire Mishnah, so that Stam, um, Stam Mishnah and that Masechta would be like him. So anyways, it still feels like Yuma, right? Because we're talking about the Beis HaMikdash, so we move on. What does the famous, without further ado, what does this famous Mishnah in Masechus Midas say as follows? Ezras Nashim. So you look back and you see the Ezras Nashim Right, is that area called six, which actually includes all those offices of 10, 11, 12, and 13. Now, the entire, right, second temple complex was 135, um, almost wide. When we say wide, we're referring to north, south, width. As you walk in from the east, it's the width. And when we say long, it's the depth, really, right? When we say long, it's the depth going in east-west, okay? So it was 100, but the Ezra's Nashim was as deep as it was wide. It was a perfect square. So, so therefore, the, it was the full width of the, of the base of Mekdash complex, 135 Amos, and it was, in fact, also 135 Amos deep, okay? Ve'arba lishkos hayu ve'arba miktsosea, and as you can see in the diagram, there were four big offices located, Right, so everybody there had a corner office, but they were bigger than the offices in the base of Mocha. Those are really big offices over there. 
Okay, and what was their use? Umayyum Shamshos, Dromis Mizrachis. So glad you asked. The southeast, he Isalishkas and Azirim. There the Nazirim would go, Shasham Nazirim, Mivashlim Es Shalmehem, Umegalchim, Saron, Umishalchim Tachas Hadud. So there are certain activities when a Nazir would finish his Nazirus, he would go through, right, a multi day as we discussed, right, he'd go through a week. Of, um, of purification at the end, at the end of which he's bringing an Ola, a Chatas, a Shlamim, right? And then they, they, after that, after they have those Karbanas, they do the Zrikas Adam of the Karbanas, and the Nazir waits for that, and afterwards he shaves his head finally. And then he is going to eat the Shlamim, because that is edible, as we know, and they're going to cook the Shlamim, which is great. And another uh, quirk of the salacha, we'll call it, is that part in, in the firewood that's heating up the shlamim, that's cooking the shlamim, there is the hair of the nazir, symbolic or whatever, where the hair of the nazir is there. Where, is, where do we get all of this? Um, from the psukim in the Torah, mostly. Um, in other words, and you have to see exactly uh, how it comes out, but basically all of this cooking of the shlamim and, and shaving was taking place in this, in this southeast um, office, okay. Mizrach Esfonis, in the northeast office. He saw Lishka Saetzim. Okay, that's where you kept the wood. You had to store a lot of wood. There's a lot of fire. And so that's in the northeast office, okay. Shesham Kohanim Bale Mumin Omdim Maslin Be'etzim. So it's not just a storage room with no people ever go in there, but there actually was set up, and that's why it's a good thing there was a bigger... Uh, size office because if the if the uh, kohanim became bali mumim and they were no longer able to bring kohanas we could still uh, korbanos we could still put them to good use because they were doing what they were examining the wood for worms Rabari Leibowitz Shlita the great Dafyomi master um, points out a big machlokas if they found the, the worms what are they going to do are they going to take out the worms or are they going to throw out the wood altogether? This is a little bit of a, of a lumbus here, a little bit of a hawk, because after all, some people deal with fruits this way. Some people won't eat certain fruits. And so this is the, the checking for bugs is uh, the analogy that Ari Leibowitz makes here, that some people are asking uh, whether certain uh, fruit have bugs because they want to be careful and to take out the bugs. And some want to be careful and not eat the fruit altogether. It's relevant also because it's interesting that the eights um, has to be worm-free. So there is some discussion in the Rishonim as to what this is, what kind of psul it is for there to be worms. On a simple level, it's disgusting to put worms in the Mizbech. We don't want to do that. It's, it's gross. And so that's on the really most simple Balabatish level. But there is some lumdas here as to whether it's a pagam, it's considered a mum in a korban, whether the wood is like a korban, even though it's an inanimate object, right? Or if it's uh, some sort of chisarin in the wood, be that as it may, the kohanim would go and they would be in that, um, in that chamber, in the northeast chamber, and they would make sure that the wood that was being used was warm free, okay? Uh, just finishing that thought here in the Gemara, Shechol Eitz Shiyesh Botolas Pasul Agave Mizbech. So that's what we were saying, that if the wood did in fact have to last, it would be Pasul Agave Mizbech. So that's what we were saying. Um, if it did, you throw out the wood, you take out the worm. That's the discussion there. Okay. That is the Northeast. Svonis Maravis, Washington State, on the Northwestern over there. He Haisa Lishkas HaMetzoraim. That was where the Mitzoraim used to be. What are the Mitzoraim doing there? 
So that had a mikvah in there, in that, in that office. And it's just amazing part of the Mitzorah's return. He's bringing a Korban Asham when he comes back. His return back to society, uh, after his purification is fascinating in its own right. That's in, in the, uh, in the Psukim, right? He had to have some of the blood. This is very unique. Some of the blood of the Korban Asham would be applied to his, his hand, his big toe, and his ear, all on the right side of his head, of his body, the right toe, the right ear, the right, and, and then that, um, would have to, then, in, uh, then he would have to be purified in the mikvah, and then stick it into the, uh, into the azara. So, be that as it may, all of this, uh, activity was taking place in the northeast lishka. Okay. Now, Maravis Dromus, what about the, uh, the, did I say northeast? I meant northwest. Okay. Now, what about the southwest? I'm a Rabbi Elezer ben Yaakov. There he is. Now, the quote from Rabbi Elezer ben Yaakov is going to be amazing. They asked, what did they do on the north, on the, what did they do on the southwest corner? I'm a Rabbi Elezer ben Yaakov. I don't remember. Says Rashi. In other words, it is in the context of Rabbi ben Yaakov uh, recalling that he forgot what the Southwest office is supposed to be doing, it is in that context by saying that he forgot what its, what its function is, he actually revealed himself as the author of the Mishnah. <laughs> Isn't that fascinating? Okay. So he doesn't remember. Art scroll, does he remember? Yeah, Lishkas Beis Shemanya. We're going to get to it in the Gemara. Look at this. Abashah Lomer, Baha Yunosnin Yain Vashemin. Right, so Abishol then says, right, he's a Tana also, so he reminds of Elizabeth Yaakov that that's where they kept the wine and the oil. And it was called the, uh, the, the um, oil chamber. Okay, so basically, this whole thing was brought down, First of all, fascinating. We know what all the different lishkos and the Ezra Snushim were used for. And Rabbi Lezman Yaakov, by saying, hey, I forgot, has revealed, when it came to the southwest corner uh, office, it is revealed, in fact, that he is the author of the Mishnah in Midos. Fascinating. That's proof number one. Now another proof. An even more intricate and fascinating proof, as follows. Says the Gemara, And aside from that, he sort of spoke up and revealed himself. It also makes sense that it would be Rabbi Lezben Yaakov is the author of Masechus Midos because of the following. It's not. Because we learn in, Andrew, what Masechus do we learn it in? Midos, obviously. Right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be a raya. As follows. Kol haksalim shayusham hayugvohim that all of the walls that surrounded the Har Habayis were very tall indeed. Chutz mikotel mizrachi except for the eastern wall. For a very important uh, reason that we're about to see. This seems, nobody brought it up. I didn't see it anywhere. But didn't we learn this in, in Erevin? Okay, we're going to see. Does anybody remember? We, where, where did we learn? We learned this already. Either Erevin or Shai. I think it was Erevin where the Kohen, so now we have more context because Baruch Hashem, we've learned more. As the Gemara says, Shakoin Asari for Sapara Omid Bahar Hamishcha. You might remember. Har Mishcha is, is talking about uh, Har Zesim, right? So as we already discussed, this is the very beginning of Masechah Yuma. Don't forget, who gets quarantined? 
the Kohen Gadol in preparation for Yom Kippur and the Kohen Asarif is a para. He gets the quarantine. He's the one that's burning the, the paraduma. He's going to do that korban where? On Har Zesim. And that is a very unique korban where he's shechting it out there. Wow. Not in the base of Mikdash, but out there. And he's doing the spritzing, as you might recall, towards the base Hamikdash. And as part of feeling, as part of like being part of doing it in the base Hamikdash, he has to have what? Let's see what the Mishnah says. So when he's doing the sprinkling, he has to turn and look towards the what? The Pischo Shel Hecha, which means that he has to be within a line of vision, a sight of the opening of the Hechal. We had this already. And then it gets into geometry. He's standing on a mountain on Har Zesim, and his line of vision has to traverse walls and archways and further archways and stairs inside the Hechal and Azar itself. And there has to be a construction of the base of Mikdash such that there's a, at some point, even if it's a little bit of daylight, at some point, there has to be a clear line of vision for this coin sorry for Sapara to the opening of the Heichal. And that, in fact, according to this Mishnah, says that that is why the eastern wall had to be lower, because without the eastern wall being lower, there wouldn't be a clear line of sight of this coin sorry for Sapara to the opening of the Heichal. Wow, says the Gemara, Utsnan. And we also learned in another Mishnah, that happens to be in Midos, call up Sakim so now we're talking about the openings, right? Not the walls, but the archways. The archways were, and this is where it harkens back to uh, Erevin, they were 20 amas high and they were 10 amas wide. Okay, so the archways were 20 amas high and 10 amas wide. And the walls everywhere were tall except for the eastern wall. Utsnan, and we learned in another Mishnah in Midos, we're going to have all these Mishnahis in Midos that don't have what? that don't really have a manda amar, and we're going to have to figure out, um, according to whose shita, are they all going to shtim? Are they all going to fit together? And it's going to turn out to be a Lazar and Yaakov. So how so? So we have one more Mishnah here, that in the Mishnah it says, Lifnim imenu soreg. Okay? So now the Mishnah in Midas continues to say that when you walk in from the eastern wall, right, it's easy to miss, but if you look at the diagrams in the art scroll in 16A3, just the eastern wall is all the way on the right. As you're walking in from the east through that archway, there's a little soreg, a little lattice work. It's easy to miss, but follow the line and left. You'll see a tiny little, tiny little thing. That soreg was not very big, but it was very significant. We already learned some of the significance of it in Masechus Shabbos, um, where you're talking about um, the Kohanim that were Tameim, and, uh, or people rather, that were Tameim Mace. Right, and as well as the, um, right, and uh, uh, past, only Kali Shalka passed, passed that so rig. Okay. So that is the first thing that you see. And then, Utnan, Lifnim Menu Achel Esaramos. Here we begin the Machona Mikdash, uh, tour. So the, the Soreg is not going to be significant in terms of line of sight because it's dwarfed by everything else. It's a tiny little thing. But, at least, that is, as you're walking in from Machona Mikdash, you're wondering, what's this lattice work? That's what the Soreg was. Then between there, Hachel Eser Amos. So then, right, so inside the Soreg, once you pass the Soreg, you have 10 Amos, an open area, okay? 
uh, and that's called the chel. And then So you might uh, notice that there are steps walking uh, going there. How many? Twelve. Room That each of the steps was a half ama. They were they were um, symmetrical steps, a half ama tall and a half ama um, wide. You call the um, you call the pla- I call it the platform. It's technically called a tread. Tread is the uh, is the right horizontal portion of a step. So the vertical and the horizontal were each a half ama. So let's do the math. Twelve steps, uh, each a half ama tall. That's six amas total. Good. Okay. So that means that as you enter the Ezra's Nashim here from the Chael, you're going to be six amas higher off the ground of the Harbais. So, so then from there, as, so now we're continuing westward. And then as you traverse, um, as you traverse the Ezra's Nashim, you're going to have 15 more steps. Hayordos me'ezos Yisrael le'ezos anashim. It should, you would think it would say ha'olos me'ezos nashim le'ezos Yisrael, but be that as it may, it says it's descending from the Ezra's Yisrael, but it's the same thing. Basically, 15 more steps up as you move westward, right, towards the left, as you see, you're descending another 15 steps up, and they're the same dimensions as the steps from the Chael to the Ezra's Nashim. They too are rum mala chatsi ama v'shilcha chatsi ama. They're also a half ama tall and a half ama tread. So, you only count, obviously, the vertical. So, therefore, you're adding now another, if it's, an, if it's 15 steps, and you're, another, you're adding another seven and a half uh, um, amos. So, six amos from the Chael to the Ezus Nashim, another seven and a half from the Ezus Nashim, right to the Azara. And so, therefore, you are going to have 13 and a half total amos. Utsnan. And we learn in yet another Mishnah, in Masechus Midos, Ben Ha'ulam Belamizbeach Esrim Vishtaim Ama. Okay, and now you're going between the Ulam. Ulam was what we call the area of the Ezra's Nashim. And so then from there, there's going to be another 22 Amas on the ground here. And there, when you get to the end, there's another 12, another 12 um, uh, steps. So all of these steps are the same dimensions. Chatziyama high and Chatziyama um, uh, deep. Okay. So now, here we go. So that's another six amas higher. If you add it up, six amas plus seven and a half plus another six, you're going to get so far 19 and a half amas, right, as you enter, right, into the Heichal, from the Ulam, into the Heichal, you're going to get 19 and a half amas of height off of the Harhabai's floor. Okay. This all becomes very relevant because why? As follows. So it says, uh, uh, so where are we now? And then, and then we learn, we said, uh, fine. So now he says, So now we're getting to Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov. So continuing with the uh, with Midos, we have Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov again. And what does he say? There was an additional step there. You might be able to See it there to visualize one more little additional step. It's 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 it's, it's easy to miss, but it's right there, right, um, right where it says thirteen and a half almost, right in the middle of that. There's just a tiny, tiny little step. That is the step of Rabbi Yehuda Yaakov. He said there was an additional step, right in the Azara itself. There was a step, and that watch your step. 
when you're walking around the Azara, because that was between where the Israelim would be and the Kohanim would be. Vegavoa ama, and it's one ama high. Whoa. Okay. Veducha nosan There was a platform on it. Uvo shalosh malos shalchati ama, and there was a platform on it, and there was another three steps there. Those three steps, by the way, are not counted because it goes down, then goes back up. So that duchan, uh, we don't have to consider in the counting, but we're about to get to how this reflects on the light of vision of, the sight of vision, rather, of the coin sarafasapara. But be that as it may, if you look at the two diagrams, the one on top is going to be um, 14 and a half almost high by the time it gets to the coin portion of the azara. Whereas the one below, which is according to the Chachamim, remains 13 and a half Amos throughout the Azara. That one Amma makes all the difference. Because after all, after all, where the Kohen surface of Parah, I'll say it outside first, where the Kohen surface of Parah is standing, okay, he is in a light of vision where what? We know that the archway is 20 Amos high, and we know that he can in fact see just below the edge of the archway. So, the fact of the matter is, the archway extends, the very eastern wall, okay, is an arch with a wall. Now, if the height of that archway is 20 amas, and you can see just through underneath where the, underneath where the arch is opening, so meaning underneath the wall, and in fact, the heichal is only going to be 19 and a half amos up off the ground as, right, as the Rabbanon hold, so then you have your, right, you have your half an ama, you have your three tfachim little area window where the coin surface apart is peering underneath the wall and extending all the way through and just seeing the bottom half an ama uh, of, of the heichal. He could just peer the bottom of the heichal, it's good enough. You got your daylight there. Problem is, if you hold, like Rabbi Lezben Yaakov, that you have this extra ama in the middle of the Azara elevation, so then, if the coin's looking underneath the wall, right, it, then he's going to hit 20 and a half amas. He's just going to see the floor. He's not going to get to see the opening of the heichal. He's going to see somewhere in the middle of the stairway, well, the top of the stairway, but not quite the bottom of the heichal. And therefore, according to Rabbi Lazarus Yaakov, it, who says, again, that the heichal is elevated more than 20 amas, uh, specifically 20 and a half amos above the floor of the Har Habayis, according to him, it is not possible to peer underneath uh, the wall where the opening is because the opening can only be 20 amos high and by definition the Hechel is more than 20 amos elevation. Rather, you peer over the wall. You're not peering through the archway, but you're peering over the wall according to Rabbi Yazubin Yaakov. Now, if you're peering over the wall, that is why the wall has to be shorter. Because if the wall is a high, tall wall, then it's going to block everything. And therefore, the Stam Mishnah that says that the eastern wall was, in fact, shorter than all the other walls surrounding is according to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov. Because according to Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov, you're peering over the wall. So that is what is going on here. So, so says the Gemara. This whole shtickle makes sense according to Rabbi Lezim and Yaakov, this whole idea of having to lower the wall. That's why, right, you had to lower, right, the, the wall because you're going to have to peer over the wall because otherwise 
it's blocking right the the, the way the, the the entrance to the heichal. But if you're going to Rabbanon, according to Rabbanon, you don't have to lower the wall because you have that half an ama, those three tvachim, that you could stare at a sight line just below, right? In other words, the very top of the archway on the, of the eastern wall lines up perfectly with the very bottom of the floor of the opening of the Heichal. It's good enough, according to the Rabbanon. But according to Rabbi Lezben Yaakov, as we said, it's not good enough. You're going to be blocked, and therefore you have to peer over the wall. Says the Gemara, El Alav Rather, we say that the author who said that the wall is lowered has to be Rabbi Lezben Yaakov. So two lines up from the bottom. The Gemara is going to try to reject this. Maybe, okay, the issue is not the placement of the wall, but maybe even within the Rabbanon, you could say it's Rabbi Yehuda. That it's because of Rabbi Yehuda that you have to lower the wall. Why? The Tanya, because we learned in the Brisa, Rabbi Yehuda Omer Hamizbech Memutzav Omid Beemtza Azara, that the Mizbech itself stood in precisely smack in the middle of the Azara. Ushlashim Mishdaim Amos Hayilo. So once we're talking about it, we're going to say how wide was the Mizbech? It was thirty-two Amos. So it's blocking the view. If it's blocking the view, then you have to look over the wall, right? In other words, the whole idea of Rabbi and Yaakov is you're peering through the floor. And, 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 and the height of the, right, the height of the archway is going to go right, just like skim the floor of the Heichal, right? But if, the, but if the Mizbech is smack in the middle of your view, then it's not going to work anyway. I, you have to peer over the wall uh, for a different reason, because the Mizbech is blocking. So not because, not because of the extra two, 20 and a half Amma. That's the point. The Mizbech, incidentally, at, at that point is nine amos high. It really was 10 amos high, but only because of the ama corner height. But at that point, it's nine amos high. It's enough to block it. Okay. So he says, why? Again, so eser amos keneged pischosh al Because the middle of the mizbeach has eser amos keneged pischosh al eichal and achadasri amal etzafam achadasri amal adamr. Here it's just talking about the width dimension of the mizbeach. That 10 amos were exactly opposite the smack entrance of the eichal, which was 10 amos wide. As we said, the, in, in uh, Erevin, the Ulam had the 20 Amas opening and the Hekel had the 10 Amas opening. Okay, and then if you do 11 extra, um, right, to, extending to the north and then to the south, you'll get, uh, right, you'll get 11 extending in each direction for a total of 22 plus 10, which is 32. That is the width of the Mizbech. If you, in fact, put Rabbi Yehuda, uh, the Mizbech, where Rabbi Huda holds it is, smack in the middle of the Azara, you're going to end up with, right, you're going to end up with it blocking the opening in, <laughs> directly. So now the Gemara says, wait a minute. And again, as Berman points out, that's, it's unusual. You say, okay, so maybe the fact that the Stam Mishnah is, uh, says that the eastern wall has to be lowered is not a reflection of Elizabeth and Yaakov. Maybe it's a reflection of Yehuda. So you're going to say what? That Yehuda wrote Maseches Midos? That can't be. Because why? Because Mizbech be'emtza azar mi'mishkachasle? Do we see anywhere else that the Mizbech, anybody else holds that the Mizbech is in the middle of the Azara? Vahatnan. But the Mishnah in Midos itself says as follows. And now we're going to talk about the, right, where it was, where the Mizbech was found. Says the Mishnah in Midos. Kol ha'azara orach me'a the entire courtyard there, right, was 187 amlets in length. Al roch, al roch of As we said, the width, as we go north south, was 135 amos. 
So minham mizrach lemarav meashmonim v'sheva. And as we just said, right, east-west, that's what we call length or depth as you're coming in from the east is 187. Okay. That's makom drisas ragle Israel, and then makom drisas ragle Israel achadasriyama. And now we're walking, now we're literally walking westward. And we're doing a machon hamikdash virtual tour. You walk, uh, you walk 11 ama, that's where all the Kali Israel could walk, the Israelim. Makom drisas ragle yakohanem achadasriyama. Another 11 ama and all the kohanim that are just hanging around could walk. Mizbeach shloshim v'shtayim. And then as you proceed westward, the Mizbeach is going to be 32. By the way, when we go to the Kotel Maravi, obviously, we are on, we're like in the back of the shul where the Aron is, right? We are on the western, we're the closest actually to Kodesh Kodashim, but from the back, right? We're up against the wall that, that circled it. But anyway, we're walking now from the east towards west inside the base of Mikdash, as we, as Hashem will be zochered soon. So anyway, the Mizbech itself was 32 Amos, right? It was 32 Amos wide, it was 32 Amos deep. Okay? And then, Beina Ulam Bala Mizbech Hasrim Vishtaim. And then another 22 between the, um, the Ulam and the Mizbeach, right? And then the Hechal itself was a, was a, uh, a clean, um, round number, 100 Amos long. Okay? And then, so, so it's still, it's 100, if you add it all up, it's like 177, or 176. And another 11 Amos behind the Beisak Aporus was in Norway saying the Kaddish Kaddashim. Okay, so that's the, that's the layout of the courtyard as you go from east to west. However, that's not relevant for us, actually, because now we're going to do Machon Amikdash. We're going to start at the southern walls, excavations, and we're going to go deep north. Here we go. As we already said, the width of the area there, of the entire base of Mikdash there, is 135 Amos. The, right, the Mizbech itself, we said was 32, so it must be that the ramp was 30 Amos. So together it's 62 Amos. You keep walking north, you're going to get to the Tabos, right, those rings where you stuck the animals' heads. We'll discuss the function of these Tabos, exactly how we use them for the animal slaughters um, when, soon enough in this Masechta. And the actual area was like 24 Tabos, 6 by 4, but be that as it may, as you traverse it, it's, it was a space of 24 Amos. And then Minat Tabas then there was tables where you stuck all the meat and all that. That was another Arba Amos, and, the, and then the, uh, the Shulchanim themselves was Arba Amos, and then another Arba Amos, and then Nanasin Arba, and then another Amos to the Nanasin, which was the little pegs, the little pillars, the dwarf pillars, where you would hang uh, some of the stuff, some of the, some of the uh, animals. The animal skins and such, as we'll see. And then from there, to the Kotel Azara, another eight Amos. And the remainder, right? It's another, right? The remainder, which wasn't accounted for, has to be allocated properly. Just whatever is left is left, which turned out to be eight, eight Amos. What's the point? It says, Right? If you, if you take all the space of the rings and the tables and the nanasim and you add up all the amos, there is no room for the mizbech to be as you orient yourself south-north. There's no room for it to be in the middle. It has to be mostly in the south. And therefore, that stam mishnah and midos can't be shita sur who holds that the mizbech is smack in the middle. It has to be a different shita, says the Gemara. 
Rather, as we finally arrived at Zion and Aleph, we're saying the, the, the idea that the Mizbech, all these Mishnahis of where it is, shows you that the Mizbech is mostly on the south. And that has to be Rabbi Yezer ben Yaakov, and it is against the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda that's in the middle, and therefore we preserve the idea that the author of our Mishnah in Masechus Midos is in fact Rabbi Lazar ben Yaakov.